This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, it's Monday, so that means we're talking Illinois football with Jay Lehman. Unfortunately, talking about another loss as Illinois loses 13 to nine to Purdue. Uh, some some positives, obviously, to build on on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but uh, obviously, offense struggling outside of one really great sign, Jay, from Jasper Cray. We'll get into him yeah. and break him down, uh, and the, the quarterback situation and Brett Bielma's very controversial decision uh, to punt on fourth and two from the Purdue 34. Um, but we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, close losses and how maybe this could be like 06, but that, you know, 06 had a bunch of young players. This team's full of seniors. There might be a drop off uh, on the defensive side of the ball. That might not be the case that they've made when Ryan Walters crew seems like it's made some, some big strides. So let's start with a positive on that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, let, let, first let, let well, from a personnel perspective, I don't know how many super seniors we're actually going to miss next year. Uh, we, we Obviously, Jake Hansen, you're going to miss, but he didn't play last game. Um, I think Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay played their best games of the year. Um, but I'm not sure you're going to miss them that much because I think Seth Coleman can fill in. I think Zeke Holmes. I do think Roger Perry does a lot of stuff. So I want to give Rod the love that that he deserves. Um it's always hard for me, like I've said, to understand who is a fourth year, fifth year, sixth year player at this point in this season. The COVID year totally messed stuff up. But I'm super excited about the core of Johnny Newton, of Keith Randolph, of Kalen Tolson and Tariq Barnes. Let's not forget about Calvin Hart, who we, we assume will be back next year. Um, uh, and, and on the back end, Sidney Brown's got another year. Uh, Devin Witherspoon didn't play. Tav, Taz Nicholson's going to be there. Um, we saw Kendall Smith get some time. Um, you know, Tony Adams has had his struggles this year. He played better last, last week, but uh, Kirby Joseph, I guess from a personnel perspective, I feel really good. But I guess what I was really excited about was they run a totally different scheme than they ran against Maryland. Um, and that's kind of an NFL approach by Ryan Walters is that you game plan each week to that specific team. And he's done that. It's hard to pull off. But what I saw was the defense lined up, number one, um, playing instinctual. Whenever you see turnovers or more physical play or big hits, you're like, man, they're physical, right? They're hitting today. This is how I like defense play. It's not like they got more physical in a week. It's because they know what they're doing. They feel more comfortable. And I think a, a, something that I see that is, that is quite frankly coached is the lack of penalties. They're not getting going offsides a lot. You're always going to get a couple of pass interference, a defensive holding penalties. We haven't had much of those and, and, and no targeting penalties really. Um, quite frankly, I know, I know they looked at some uh, like Sydney was looked at, but I think it was good calls that they were not kicked out um, because 
in reality, it was well, it was well coached, good technique football. And so I think you take a look at all of that. Look at the end result. They played uh, a good offensive mind in Mike Loxley last week, a good offensive mind in Jeff Brom uh, last uh, this week. And they played very well and gave their team a chance to play. If you're going to play complimentary football, you have a defense that keeps you in the game. And Ryan Walters and his staff have done that. Yeah, and, and uh, I thought the safety play, that's as good a safety play as we've seen in, in years, Jay. Um, obviously, Kirby Joseph, you know, you count out a guy, and then all of a sudden in his fourth year, he, t- he takes this star turn, really. I mean, he, he's made some big plays. I know he gave up the touchdown late, um, but the pick was big. He had a couple of big hits. But I thought Sidney Brown played maybe his best overall game in, in a lot of uniform, just you know, really disciplined. We, we've seen flashes from him and he's had some great moments, but just hasn't been consistent. So what, what kind of changes have Ryan Walters made with those safeties and just the defense overall in recent weeks? So one, I think they're just playing a lot more with eyes. When I say that the ability to see the ball come out um, of the quarterback's hand and then make a play on it. A lot of times when we're in man coverage, unless you're very skilled, it's very hard to see your man and the quarterback. But uh, what I've seen them shift a little bit since that UTSA game and, and somewhat midway through the Virginia game, they shifted to more, I got to have eyes on the quarterback. And I think they play a lot more comfortable with that. I think that allowed Kirby Joseph to definitely get the pick in the red zone. Um, and also, it, it, uh, I watched Sidney Brown, who has all the tools, the size, the speed, the physicality of an NFL safety. He really does. Uh, I mean, with his hair out, it looks like Troy Palomalu sometimes, right? And he was hitting like Troy Palomalu last week. And um, that him playing with eyes has made a difference as far as being able to see the ball come out. And, and let's not let's not forget this. The red zone defense has been sensational yeah. for Ryan Walters. I mean, that's something, again, the good defense often isn't praised because you don't notice it, right? But the ability not to get penalties, the ability to bow up in the red zone, Last two weeks at critical times, they've come up with a, with a fumble against Maryland where they could have gotten two scores ahead and a critical interception by Kirby Joseph in the red zone. And I think if you look at the trips inside the red zone, you count the UTSA game and, and, and even some of the, um, the Nebraska game, Virginia down there, they, they've actually caused more turnovers and field goals than touchdowns. And anything you, you, anytime you can do that as a defense – you get turnovers and field goals, and that number is larger than the touchdowns I give up. You, you're giving yourself a chance. Um, and, and it's what I mean, you know, 20 t- trips inside the red zone. And if 10 of those are turnovers or field goals, you're, you're doing a good job uh, defensively. And that's kept Illinois in the game. And so credit to the red zone defense as well, uh, really bowing up when they need to. That's a great point. Uh, and Jay, we think about the personnel that will be back next year. You mentioned Johnny Newton. Keith Randolph comes back, played pretty well last week. Seth Coleman, we saw flashes from the last game. I thought he was solid this game. But Tariq Barnes and, and Kalon Tolson come in and, and replace the two starters, C.J. Hart and Jake Hansen, who, who didn't play. Devin Witherspoon's out. Taz Nicholson getting some, some big experience, has some moments where he looks pretty good. Both those safeties are back. Like, how big a building blocks are these for that side of the ball for, for the long term? I mean, it's, it, it is, I just can't emphasize enough. So, so in general, when you're rebuilding a team, um, you learn how to stop the run. Last week they did that. I will say what you want about, you know, the Boilermakers up front, not having King Doru or some of the other backs or Horvath, um, but they stopped the run. Okay. Uh, number two is, um, they, uh, 
they, they stop the run. They're learning how to run the ball on offense. So stop the run, run the ball. But as far as defensively, we've got to have a team that keeps us in the game, like a, like an Iowa defense, like a Wisconsin defense, like a Northwestern defense that lets our offense get rolling. Especially if we're going to play complimentary football. Um, they're doing that. We got to get the offense figured out. But the fact that we have young players and young players at critical, like we, we've struggled to get good, solid interior defense. Line. We've got two guys I think can be really good, Johnny Newton and, I, and Keith Rand. I think they can be solid. I think Kalon Tolson, Tariq Barnes, Calvin Hart can be really good players. And I think on the back end, we've talked about Witherspoon, um, but those other guys got to work as well because they're going to stay away from Witherspoon, I think, in due time. And they're starting to get better. And they're playing with ice. They just felt more comfortable. I think it was two weeks ago that Ryan Walters said that. You know, they just seem more comfortable out there. And they're able to play fast. Like I said, whenever you see a defense starting to get more physical, get turnovers, that doesn't happen by being confused. It happens by being lined up right. What have you seen Ryan Walters change schematically? And, and what do you think of this defensive staff being able to change the results this drastically, this quickly, against two, as you said, really good Big Ten offenses? Well, I think he's got the fact that he's got a couple of coordinators on the staff helps him, right? So he's got uh, Kevin Kane, who's coordinator at SMU, Andy Boo, who's a coordinator at Stanford and Maryland, or as linebacker coaches, and uh, uh, Bielma was uh, obviously a a, a, line, a a defensive coordinator as well. So he's got the coaches in there to do that. Um, but like this game, I thought I would see more eight man drop because that's what they did against Maryland, but we didn't see that. We saw a classic three, four set, some of that to do with Keith Randolph being back. And also, you know, you saw Owen Carney's hand in the ground. Uh, you also saw when I say classic three, four set, like a nose, two tackles, two outside linebackers. And they were able to get some pressure with that. Not what we want, but they got some pressure uh, enough to affect some throws. And Back on the back end of that, they, they did mix in some man. They did mix in some zone, but mostly playing with eyes and zone and just saying, this is our base defense. That was probably what I expected uh, going into the year. That was what we were going to look like. Uh, it's, it's gone back and forth, but it shows you that Ryan Walters is not only able to throw stuff on his guys, but also uh, it's one thing to just, you know, give a whole, you know, new defense to somebody. Can your guys execute it? Obviously they did execute it. And a credit to the coaching staff and those players. I know we're like 10 minutes into this podcast and we're focusing on positives of a fourth straight loss. We'll, we'll get to the, the negative side of these things, but let's go on to one more positive, Jay. Uh, that's Josh McCray, 156 yards for the true freshman. Incredibly uh, impressive performance uh, for, for Josh McCray. And uh, obviously has burst, has size, has vision as well. Just Josh McCray. What do you got on Josh McCray? Uh, you know, Josh McCray was having nightmares of, the Minnesota game, 2003 versus Illinois, Maroney and Barber. And, and we, we saw the same exact concepts where really it was zone blocking. And what they would do, they would usually bring Maroney like Isaiah Williams to, to flash in front of the eyes of the linebacker and kind of be like, okay, even though you know, it wasn't that successful on some of the jet sweeps, just that makes your linebacker maybe get out of gap a and then they give it to McCray um, and that's the same thing they do with Maroney. You would flash before your eyes, give it to Barber. And the key about being a great zone running back is the ability to stretch a defense and then put your foot in the ground when you see a hole and get north and south. And I think we see that with Josh McCray. Um, I guess I've been pleasantly surprised with his acceleration and his amount of wiggle in the hole and his ability to 
to pull away from some defenders, um, which has been pretty incredible. Uh, for him to get, I think it was 20 plus carries or so, 20 carries, 24 carries maybe. Um, that's a load of carries in the Big Ten, number one. Uh, number two, I thought he just fought for every yard. I just think he's a fighter. Even his mentality when he gets up, uh, he he really likes to he likes to run the football. I know he's running back, but he, it's, a, it's a difference. And what's great about him is he does look for contact, but not excessively. Like he has enough say like, I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to try to stiff arm you. He has a natural ability uh, for ball security, which is really rare. He keeps it high and tight. Well coached out of Alabama. I know, I think, was it Jed Kennedy or someone was his coach or the guy who was Melvin Gordon's coach. Anyway, what you see on some of that long run, you saw him switch the ball three or four times. And it's really important for a big back to switch the ball because that frees up your off arm to stiff arm, right? So you not only switch the ball to protect it, but it allows you to stiff arm your near defender. And he did that three or four times on his longest run of the game. It just shows you the natural ability that he has uh, with his ball security that I think is above and beyond what you see in a back. I think his vision and his patience is better. Sometimes he has the ability just to hit it. And then sometimes he has the ability to, to, to go slow and then put his foot in the ground. So it's, it's way more than being big and fast. Like, like, like there's a lot of big and fast guys out there, right? Like, but they're not Josh McCray. So, so what makes Josh McCray good? I think it's his ability, uh, his vision, his patience, his ball security, but also, also his ability knowing to go after contact and know not when to go after contact. Because as a defender, if I know you always are going contact, you're going to get chopped to the legs all day long. But if I know that I, I better not leave my feet because he could sidestep me and I need to stay on my feet, well, then I've got to keep my feet and I get a danger of being stiff-armed. So as a defender, he mixes it up enough when you're tackling a guy like that, it's, it's rough, you know? So it reminds me of a lot of guy named Jehu Colcrick out of Michigan state years ago, a big guy, but he's faster than Colcrick was. Um, and so uh, I'm excited about Josh McCray. Um, I think the most astounding thing, it's one thing if you got three backs that have a hundred yards in a game, right? It's another thing if you're like, this guy seems to get yards behind the same offensive line that other guys can't get yards at. Mm -hmm. So it, it really highlights of like, okay, this guy's bringing something different to the table than these other guys are. Uh, and we didn't have chase, um, unfortunately. And, and hopefully he, he's back. I mean, we've been told he's going to be back. I think that's mostly just a smoke screen. So people prepare for him. Mm -hmm. um, but I think with him and Josh in there, you've got a bona fide running attack. That's perfect. I was going to ask some follow-ups, but you hit it all. Like, uh, Sometimes I have, long, I have long-winded answers, but I, I want to get down to the why, right? He's big and fast. Duh, yeah. right? I mean, everybody knows he's big and fast. I, the vision, the patience, the ball security, you go back and watch how he shifts the ball so he can stiff arm. Those are things that take a long time to teach. Right. Um, he, he's also, this guy got caught for 400 yards too in high school. I think he's got better ball skills than we give him credit for. They've only thrown, I think, maybe one pass to him in the Maryland game. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him get, you know, stuff out of the backfield. And here's the here's the crazy thing. Right now, he could probably play tight end. He could probably play linebacker. He probably play outside linebacker. That's the kind of body type you want at Illinois. And, and that's what and we see that with some of the recruits they're getting. They want a lot of guys. 6'3 to 6'5, 220 to 270. You can do a lot with those guys. Ask Iowa. 
Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a good, uh, good comp there. He's just a heck of a football player. And uh, it's amazing that other schools didn't want him as a running back. I get why you like him as a linebacker, because I think he could play there too. But um, what, what a building block and a perfect kind of first recruit for Brett Bielema from the this prep is, route. This is, this is what happened with Ron Dane. I mean, Ron Dane had no everyone to play fullback. Barry Alvarez offered him a chance to play tailback. And he goes to Wisconsin and he's dominant, right? Um, this happens. This happens more than we give it credit for. These guys get pigeonholed as this is that, and McCray might be a guy, but that's what Illinois has to do. They have to look at a guy who everybody wants for something else, but this guy wants for that, and they did that with Isaiah Williams somehow. You know, went as receiver, and now they've gotten a receiver, and, and they've got to somehow get them on campus and, and position them in the right spot, which they've done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Jay, let's talk about some of the negative here, shall we? Um, because you lose a game where you held an opponent who's a really potent offense. I know David Bell, their star, was out. Their top two running backs were out. But still, uh, you hold them to 13 points, you expect to win. You hold Maryland to 20 points, uh, you should expect to win. Um, offensively, outside of Josh McCray, there's just very little life. Um, and in the passing attack, they had 28 dropbacks, Jay. Um, they had 100 yards passing. Um, and if you take out the sacks, I think it was 80. Um, so how do they get that going? The second game of Brandon Peters being healthy the entire time. And, and it just looks broken right now. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're the best at really being positive after being one and four. I want mean, I mean, to start there first. and then get to the hard stuff. Give us credit. All right. First and foremost, um, let's talk big picture. It's been a decade since Illinois developed a quarterback. I mean, we had West Lund. That was Oklahoma State transfer. Oh, now we have Peters. He's transferred from Michigan. Tell me a guy we've developed since Shieldhouse. We, 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 we have not. You talk about missing on recruits. Uh, we've got to get the quarterback situation figured out. Uh, we, we can't win in college football if we can't count on getting a couple conversions on third down when you need it most from your quarterback. Now, uh, that being said, we'll get down to the final drives. I didn't think the protection was great. Okay. And, and it hasn't been great. And I know you're going against George Karloftis and, and, and he might not get sacks, but he definitely gets a lot of attention. Right. Um, I don't know how healthy Kramer is. I think he struggled at the point of attack on some things. Um, again, I'm going to talk about the super seniors here. I don't think Pelcheski has been healthy all year, uh, but I thought he was starting to play a bit better. Uh, I think Vidarian Lowe, we've seen really struggle with the bull rush. Um, he, he struggled in the Maryland game, back-to-back -back plays on that final drive. 
and he struggled late in that in that game as well with with the bull rush. And you know, the bull rush is basically a, a defender gets below uh, better leverage on on a, on a tackle. And so, uh, I know that the best guys we have they, they've done a lot of good things for Illinois. I, I just think for us to be good, they have to play better. The offensive line ha- has to play better in, in the passing game. I do think they're, they're run blocking fairly well, um, uh, and they're comfortable with that. Um, but what we're struggling has at re- receiver wise. We got to get do span the ball more. St- stuff just happens. He's the one guy I feel like stretches the field. Pat Bryant, really solid in his, you know, what I saw looked comfortable out there, ran the comeback route. Um, Casey Walsh, I thought played better than what we've seen Casey play. Um, I'd love to see more quick, you know, routes to Luke Ford and Daniel Barker. Uh, we, we just haven't done that. I think Ryman's going to be a good player. It's a big drop that he had. Uh, I think he's going to be solid. Um, they basically just said, we're going to go two or three tight ends. That's the best thing we have right now. So we've got to be able to use them as weapons. But I was just really disappointed in, um, and I know Brandon Peters is too, in, in just Brandon Peters' ability to, to finish these ending drives, right? I think that was the hardest thing. You, you look at those last three plays, and did he give the, the player a chance to make a play on the ball? Uh, on fourth down, we, we can't throw it out of bounds. Either throw a pick or – you know, throw it, let, let something happen. Yeah, Jay, my, my problem, and I don't want to, you know, just kill the guy, right? Because he obviously does not have a lot around him. Like, and, and you want to qualify that. Like the pass protection, as you said, I think the run blocking has been pretty good, especially against stacked boxes like they're getting. Um, the pass blocking obviously has been lacking. I do think they gave him solid protection at, at points in the second half last game, but and I know the receivers aren't very good. There's not much separation. I don't get to see the all 22, but it's pretty clear. Like when I'm watching it live, they're not, they're not getting much separation, but I know they're not giving him many chances, but he's got to give them a chance, right? Like Casey Washington and Pat Bryant got some chances. I know the defense is, you know, playing prevent there, but you also see when he gets moving, Tony Peterson got him moving a little bit at times and he seemed to process quicker. He seemed to throw better. Um, it just feels like he's, he's struggling to make decisions back right. there. It, it seems like he just doesn't have a lot of trust in anything around him. And I, I can understand that. I can empathize with him for that right. because there's not much around him, but you, you got to be able to pull the trigger. And right now it just feels like Brandon Peters is afraid to pull the trigger. Well, I, I think we've, we, we're, we're kind of in this no man's land of an offense where we, we, we do have a run game where we're trying to have a pass game, but I guess we're kind of like we don't have that great a pass game. So you know, I saw a comment in the in the you know in the news gazette where they said, "Hey, if we're not going to pass an obvious passing down, let's put Isaiah Williams in there and have him split carries with McCray." Well, that's a pretty strong comment. Okay, number two is I still think we need to run Peters more. To to your point, I agree. That was my key to the game on to, offense last game. To, to your to your point, run, get him outside the pocket. Do two or three quarterback draws, do a couple naked bootlegs with an option to try to throw the pass or run, and do a couple zone reads. Um, McCray's not a great zone read back, but Norwood certainly would be. Chase Brown certainly would be. And what I like is that if Chase Brown's back there, it's a totally different set of run plays you can run with Chase Brown as opposed to McCray, which is, which makes you prepare for a lot. Uh, Chase Brown is a great great shotgun back 
because of his ability to accelerate fast. He's, he's right by the quarterback, and you need a good acceleration guy. Uh, McCray is a classic seven-yard deep back, which is not a bad thing. We, we saw that, right? And, and, and a, an absolute load. Um, the, the one knock I think we would say is, I, I know he's on a pitch count. I know he's getting in shape. I know that is that seems like in critical times, uh, he's either getting checked for an injury or he's out mm-hmm. and, and, and he's not in the game, right? Um, I'm not knocking the coaches on that. I'm not knocking Josh McCray. He, he's done, he had done so much. He was literally the only offensive weapon that we had and much against, you know, man-to-man stack boxes, eight or nine guys in the box where they had extra hats there and still weren't stopping it, which is, which is pretty astounding. So, um, but back to Peters, they, they got to make him move more. Um, we've tried the easy throws. I like Isaiah Williams, but other than a drive route and out route, he's just hard to get him the ball when he's covered because yep. he doesn't have the size, right? We, we got to have it was what you'll see with Deuce span is not only the speed, but the size where, man, it's hard for a defensive back to go around him. We saw that on the deep ball. Like you can't get around him where it seems like Isaiah Williams gets swallowed up by a DB. And what you'll see, and that's why Devin Witherspoon, I really like Devin and he's not, he's a long, he seems, you know, he's only six foot, but he seems like a long corner that can swallow up guys, but is also very explosive. And I think that's why I like Spoon a lot and why they like length at corner because you can swallow up some of these smaller receivers. All right, Jay, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, we know Art has some flaws, right? And there's a reason he's the backup quarterback. But I, I think they need a spark. Uh, it's easy for me to say I don't get to see practice. I don't know what's going on. But Art has had the same disadvantages, right, when he's in the game, doesn't have great receivers, doesn't have great protection. Maybe, yeah. maybe even more because he didn't have the reps. Right. You know, yeah, maybe, exactly. Maybe even more. And, and I, I looked at the numbers, Jay. His pass efficiency rating is 30 points higher. He's thrown six touchdowns to Brandon Peters, zero. The team is averaging 27 points a game when he's in the game, uh, 11 points a game when Brandon Peters is in the game. Um, they're getting explosive plays down the field with Deuce Span. So, like, I'm not always the guy calling for a quarterback, but you got to think about it, right? At, at this point, like, how, how, can, how much should the staff think about that? Uh, I think it's – it's probably was discussed the whole day yesterday. Um, I think at this point, I was in favor of giving Peters another shot. I said that last week uh, because it was coming off an injury. Uh, I had more confidence in his decision-making, but like you said, the decision-making hasn't been there. Based on what I saw through five games, I think Art Sikowski gives you the best, best chance to win. I haven't seen any other quarterback play. I know we have you know, Robinson or Ryan, jo- Ryan Johnson, maybe. Or, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of guys out there. We, you know, um, it's like the transfer portal can't come soon enough. We always are talking, right? So, but, but especially with the way the defense is playing, right? You feel like Sikowski can give you a chance. Yeah. And Sikowski is a junior, correct? Yeah. Eligibility wise. I mean, I'll, I'm, all my eligibility stuff has just gotten thrown for a loop with everything. Well, he's a, he's a fourth year sophomore, technically. Okay. Yeah, so you you got sophomore. three, you got two more years of him potentially after this year. I mean, he also has been mixed around in, in offensive systems a ton, just like Peters has. But I think it gives you the best chance to win. And, and here's the thing. We have not had coaching continuity like we're going to have with Brett Bielema for the next at least three to four years. These offenses that have continuity, you know, whether it's Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin, they have the same system over and over. So they might have average players, but just better at the system. 
we just don't have any of that. And I, and I think at this point, Kelsey gives us the best chance to win. I think uh, he showed some actually decent mobility at times as well. I don't think the it's, – it's not a totally different offense. I think that you keep the offense exactly the same. Um, but I think what when we look at the game stuff, we haven't seen what happens in practice. Right. Like you said, when we look at the games – when the, when the real bullets are flying, Sitkowski's played better. I would put Sitkowski in this week. I think he deserves the start. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I just Peters hasn't – it just feels like, you know, at some point your quarterback's got to lift you up a little bit, Jay, like at least to, to compete, and, and they just haven't had that in the last couple of weeks. And it really dates back to last year where it just, it just feels like when he gets out there, it's, it's just kind of lifeless. I don't know if it's, I know people have said he's more of a quiet guy. I, I know people have said that, you know, art walks, talks like a quarterback. I think that counts for something when your offense is looking for any kind of spark. And especially, you know, if we have a run game we can lean on, we don't need a quarterback to do everything, but we need him to do, to do something. And so I think, it always starts with good football teams. When you're getting better, it starts with learn how to run the ball and stop the run. Illinois, for the most part, did that. Purdue's not great up front. Top two backs out. Um, but Illinois is doing some of that stuff. They don't know how to finish games yet. But I think that will come. I think it's just painstaking to Illinois fans knowing we could be four and one. And we're one and four. And I think that's just hard. Uh, but there's still two months of the season left and a hallmark of good teams. I got a chance to do a Northwestern game and talk to Pat Fitzgerald and his teams always get better throughout the year. I said, well, why is that? And he said, well, it's, it's really just, we just trust our system. We're not going to reinvent stuff. If we play with, if we recruit the kind of guy we want, we play with great effort and trust our system. It's all going to work out. We're not going to, we're not going to throw everything out because, you know, we can't get a quarterback to, do certain things or, or this happens. I thought that was a great point. He's like, we're going to trust our system. And I tell you what, by the time Northwestern, you know, starts to play some of the better teams in the big 10 West, they're right there all the time, right there in the game, down to the wire and oftentimes finish the game. And one thing Northwestern's done, you know, and I hate to talk about the rival all the time, but 48, one possession wins since 2006, we've had four one possession losses this year. So it, it makes a difference, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it was interesting to see. All right, Jay, let's talk about the, the big topic people want to talk about. And I, I, that was my questioning uh, after the game because the Maryland game, I kind of understood punting. Uh, the worst that could happen, you thought at the point, was that Maryland could tie you uh, and your defense was playing well. This game, where they're at, how much their offense was struggling to get into the red zone – they punt uh, from the 34-yard line, fourth and two, not fourth and one. Uh, most of the analytics say to, to go for it. Of course, Illinois' offense is a little bit different than most offenses at this point. What do you think of that decision? Because obviously it, it came back and backfired. And we, we thought Brett Bielma's managed games really well early in the season. Last two games, those decisions, um, even if he has reasoning, definitely backfired on him. Yeah, so I, I was in agreement with the Maryland decision. Uh, because of where they were at on the field, uh, the 42, I believe. And that was, that was past McCourt's, maybe past McCourt's range, but it'd be a very tough field goal. And um, they didn't have their starting center. 
a third string tailback, four string tailback at that point uh, with all those guys out. And, you know, you had a chance to really pin them, you know, and whatnot. I, I agree with that one. I did not agree with the Purdue decision. Um, first of all, it seems like the 45 to the 30 is a death zone for the Illinois offense, that high, low alumni zone, high red zone, whatever you want to call it. It's bad ball right there. Um, and I don't know if it's like, okay, we're in James McCourt range. Okay, great. We can take the break up. No, like, so here's why a couple of things I, I didn't like about it. One, that Josh McCray wasn't in the game for the most part during that, that series of plays. Um, no, it was two, it was two, um, was it Jakari Norwood or, or Reggie yes. Love runs before that? And, you know, it was third and four and, and it's felt like you need a first down and they were settling with like, I think it was eight or nine in the box, Jay, that they ran right into. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can't, we can't throw the football right. Uh, when we, when we need to. Um, and I just think at this point too, how much do you, there's three decisions to make, right? It's go for it. It's kick a field goal. It's punt. So if I, if I have the best punt in the world from the 34 yard line, I gain 33 yards. That's not a great net. It's not a great net. And I go, well, they're backed up and stuff like that. But Purdue, you know, like Maryland has an offense that can get stuff in chunks with the passing game. And sure enough, within three plays, they're right back to where, what the 35, right? You're like, okay, well, that was pointless. Right. So number two, I thought, why not kick James McCorp? Uh, he'd already hit 250 yarders. I know he said it was from the same area. The wind was swirling. But still, even if I kick it, it's okay. They get the ball at the 34. But still, it's, it's a chance to make it a touchdown to win. And we would be able to kick a field goal to win it, you know, from a very modest, I won't say modest, but probably a 40-yard field goal. You know, definitely in McCourt's range and ability. So there is A, B, and C. And it wasn't like one's right. It was like one's worth two points, one worth one points, one worth zero points. We picked the zero points one, in my opinion. We, we could have picked a field goal, and, and I would have been okay with a field goal because I think James McCourt's probably your best offensive weapon. Right. So, I, I, I mean, I do. It's like, okay, he's been our best player this game. I need to give it to our best player. I know he missed one, but I, I think you got to put the ball in the hands of your best player. So – or, or give it to Josh McCray. Those are my two best players. You can say Blake Hayes is good, but Blake Hayes is bottled up at that point. You know, I would actually take in a, you know, take in a penalty, a delay a game penalty too, to give him more they, space. They wasted a timeout too. Like time that, out that, that ended up being huge uh, and, down the stretch. Right. And wasted a timeout. So, yeah, I was not happy with that call. Um, you know, I know Brett said a hundred times over, do it. He said, you know, most people think about getting it. I was thinking about what if we don't get it? And I know he says, well, I really trust our defense. I could say the both ways. If you really trust your defense, you're fine. If you get stopped. Um, because you work what they call sudden change situations all the time, whether it's a turnover or turnover on downs and you got to play. Um, and I, I, for me, as a defender, I always felt like there was more urgency in something like that, as opposed to, oh, they got 96 yards to go, or they got 94 yards to go. There, there's an urgency. And um, it's not like we were stopping nor uh, stopping Purdue. We were creating turnovers, but they were moving the football. And I don't think, there, I think there's a difference. We can't just count on turnovers. If we were stymieing them and there's nothing happening, maybe. 
but we were getting not fortunate. We were causing some, one of them was fortunate. Kirby Joseph made a fantastic play. And one was a gift wrap to, to Tony, but I was not like we were stopping them. You know, they were moving the ball. And so I was worried about that. Yeah. I, I felt like whoever changed quarterbacks might get the jolt and, and Purdue did and Aiden O'Connell, despite those two picks, one that's on him, one that really wasn't. Um, he certainly moved him down the field more. Um, right. Yeah. So, so Jay, like the other part I think of it is, is like, I, I don't know how a player feels in that moment when, when his coach and we asked the players, of course, they're not going to say anything stu- stupid to us and they didn't. Uh, so kudos to them, but like just going for it, especially when you're where Illinois is as a program, right? Like let's go for the win. Like let's, let's be aggressive. If it doesn't work out, no one's going to blame Brett Bielema. I don't think for that. Like, I, I don't think anyone's going to, going to hate that. Um, and if you win and you end, and end up working, nobody's, nobody's got an issue with it. But it just feels like it, it, at this point of the program, why not Why not try to tell you guys, I believe in you and, and go for it? I, I'm with you. I, th- I think it should have been done. Um, if you think this run game is good right now with eight or nine guys in the box, wait till we have a guy that can actually beat a one-on-one. I mean, seriously, because everybody's one-on-one right now. We just can't get a guy that gets open, right? So the moment you have a guy that can beat a one-on-one and – you start giving up as a defense big plays because you're stacking the box, then the run game really opens up, right? And I think that's part of the problem is the he's looking at as like, I can't throw the football. So from I'm not talking about myself and Brett Bielema's place. I'm up nine six. I can't throw the football. Like the chances of me are not good. And that's so that's a like, problem that's got to be addressed, right? Like right, you don't, right. You don't trust so, the quarterback so, to throw the football. So I was like, I, I can't, I can't do it. Um I would just I was I was hoping this game would have some kind of short yardage wildcat package with McCray and Williams. I think that is a, just a brutal com- combo. And you don't have to have McCray as a shotgun back for that. You could have him in the pistol and, and still kind of get some some movement on it. You know. But so anyway, I, I'm looking at he didn't have faith to complete a pass, obviously. And with them stacking the box and McCray having all the workhorse that he that he was. It stalled out. And I think out of the three decisions of, you know, basically it was a punt, pass, or kick competition. But, you know, I guess punt, pass, kick, or run. And we, we, we picked the punt. And I, I think that was a, a move. And we, I think we got, you know, 28 yards net or something like that, or, you know, 34 to the six. And, of course, it was, it was gone within three plays. So, yeah. All right, Jay, uh, Charlotte game this week, the last non-conference game. And, and- – Illinois is a nine and a half point favorite despite losing to a conference USA team here. And despite Charlotte going to Duke and winning that game, uh, I do have faith that the defense is going to give them a chance to win, but, but can your offense get 20 points? I think that that's the big question. Well, I, I think it was three weeks ago on this podcast, we talked about that the defense has to hold them to about 20 points to have a chance to win. I think we talked about that. Right. And at that time, after the Virginia game, we said there's just no way they can do that. But I will say what they've made some adjustments, and they've given they've given the offense the ball in good field position. They've given them time and time again to control the clock and to do that. And the offense has done some good stuff as far as chewing up some clock and whatnot. Um, I just believe in today's college football. If you're not scoring 30 points consistently, it's tough for you to win football games. We've got to score over 20. That'd be good for us, right? Um, you know, it's possible we did it the first two games, but that was under Alchikowski, too. So I want to, I, I think we, obviously, you're Illinois, you're playing a, a group of five team, 
no matter what group of five team, if you're a power five, you're expected to win outside of Cincinnati, which just became a power five team, you know? So uh, you're expected to win. And if they don't win, you're going to have, I would think more shakeups in the lineups than previously done. If, if you don't win this game. Agreed. Jay Lehman, you're the goods, man. We'll see if uh, we got a win to talk about next week. All right, man. Great stuff as always from Jay Lehman. And if you love analysis from Jay Lehman, check out our VIP film room that I do each week with him. This week we do a breakdown of Josh McCray, where Jay leads us through what made the freshman running back so effective, some of the struggles in the passing game, and one key third down that led to the much talked about fourth down. If you're not a VIP member, sign up now. Try us for $1 for your first month at IlanaInquire.com. And thank you as always for hosting the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us as well. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.